Brian here has graciously prepared a t- graciously that's with the heaviest spitefully. air quotes I can provide. Spitefully, I would say. Yes, spitefully, a Twinkie with a hot dog filled with what kind of cheese? Uh, whatever cheese. cheese comes in a hot cheese. dog. So presumably, it's like filled a with fine gruyere cheese. or something. A yeah, fine gruyere. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly I'm certain that. that's not Tillamook. That's. Oh, God. Right. Just cut it up and eat it. Jesus. We're going to cut this up as they did in the wonderful film UHF 1989 starring Weird Al Yankovic. And we're going to eat this. Possibly the most disgusting moment of the film we are now going to repeat for you. Possibly the most disgusting Actually, you don't know if this is even happening. We could be faking this entire thing. If we have to pause so that I can go, <laughs> if I can go herk, then I'm going to go herk. Phil, fetch a bucket. Fetch me well, my I'm, bucket. I'm taking pictures of it. Are you ready? Okay. Ready. We're going to count down. Three, two, two that makes it one. Worse. That makes it worse. Gross. That is the most disgusting thing. Oh, my God. I think the Wang by itself would have been fine. And the Twinkie would have been fine. But because I was raised on Frankenstuff. So you guys remember Frankenstuff, right? The original no, hot I dog? No, I do not remember Frankenstuff. So, so Frankenstuff's were a gimmick hot dog in the 80s. That I'm glad actually, you have a story about these no, random no. hot dogs from the 80s. No, 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 no. Check it out. So Frankenstuff... Well, bring out a packet. They don't carry them anymore, but Frankenstuff had two brands. I'm sure they kept one, that One was stuffed with, like, yeah, the aftertaste is terrible. But they were stuffed with chili. Oh, like, oh yeah, I have heard of these. Okay. And, like, they Never had the had whole... Them. The gimmick was the whole, like, mad scientist. And, like, they had a can Did of chili. Did talk about these? No. Okay. But they, they used to carry podcast. them, yeah. The, the chili was more akin to, like, refried beans consistency. Mm-hmm. And the cheese was obviously not the best. Um, Did it all taste like Chef Boyardee or something? No, I mean, it, it would probably... Well, didn't you guys ever cut up hot dogs and put them in your Chef Boyardee? Or, like, mm-hmm. get the Chef Boyardee? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Mac and cheese. Well, I'm thinking yeah. of... Uh, when I was in London, I got an entire English breakfast in a can. Mm. And it had, like, a tiny omelet and a little bit of blood pudding and beans and... Tomato. Well, that sounds uh, halfway sausage, pleasant, was it? And I think tomato. It all tasted like Chef Boyardee. It had oh, that exact it, same really? sauce. <laughs> the tomato Like a slurry kind yeah, of? Yeah. The, sort of like... This Ugh. tastes like the best impression of tomato like sauce I open that up a, could do. Like I open up a can of cat food and there's kind of the grimy slur that's kind of like right. in the corners. Right. that yeah. moment of... I wonder if that's good. Did it have I the gelatinous... I reached that point of checking. Did it have the no, gelatinous it was, topper? No, no. It, it was... Uh, it all had that same, like, over-sodiumness... Ah. Oh my god, I think I just got pancreatitis. Something. Yeah, I mean, oh, I feel... the pancreas feels like as it dies? My mouth feels like it's been coated in both grease and bad dreams. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My, uh, I don't even want to talk There's about it. There's a layering on a Twinkie, and now it's on everything. In, yeah. Ugh. I'm glad we didn't... I'm glad Cheese Whiz actually wasn't added to the equation, because yeah. that might have been even worse. So well, uh, I'll tell you what's even worse. It means I'm going home with a packet of nine Twinkies. Well, you have also a package of nine hot dogs. Yeah, but I can eat them. those. I'll just make pigs in a blanket out of cheesy hot dogs. That seems like a good idea. This seemed like a bad idea, but we did it anyway. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill. Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like a hamburger and a bun, like baby ducks and staple guns. Record scratch! Double bill, double bill, comparing culture, it's double bill. 
putting two things together, it's Double Bill, it's Double Bill. Anyway, so this is Double Bill. I am uh, Brian, finally I'm getting my revenge, Watson Jones. Are you okay? No, I'm Josh. Not okay. Not okay. Humphrey. Humphrey. Yes. And, uh, Thank you for remembering my last name. Hey, that's what friends are for. I am, uh, and I'm uh, Mikey. I can't believe Victoria Jackson has a life after UHF Postal. Because we can get into that. In yeah, Victoria Jackson, right? It's like she has she had a career after this for a while, didn't she? Uh, no, no, no. You know no. she she or did she go full blown crazy like right away? No, she, she was on an X Files episode. She was counts. on X Files. She was uh, she did the yeah, movie really... Casual Sex with Leah Thompson uh-huh. and uh, uh, Andrew Dice Clay was in it. So it was like a romantic sex comedy that got a lot of airplay on HBO. And now... Um, you know, I'm sorry to conflate these two actresses because I know it's not the same one, but who was in Bride of Chucky and stuff like that? Tilly. Tilly, thank yeah. you. Jennifer Tilly, right? Yeah, and yeah. her sister... Yeah. Uh, wait, Meg Tilly. Because one of the sisters was in Agnes of God and also in... Uh, what the hell is that movie with all the, the boomer... Oh, The Big Chill. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she dropped out of the Hollywood scene... Oh, and then she was also in Psycho 2. Uh, she played Marion Crane's daughter or granddaughter or some shit I've like never that. seen Psycho 2. Is it? I've heard it's an underrated film. Oh, it's very good. It's actually quite good. Hmm. Um, they carry the tone very well. Um, anyway, so yeah, today... Uh, this is Double Bill. Brian brought podcast. this monstrosity, and I would yes. say the, the latter half of it is the monstrosity. Uh, the, <laughs> the front half of it is actually pretty good. I like the front half of this. Would you tell us what the front half is? Yes, here are the two halves, and I will allow the audience to decide for themselves which one he's referring to. Uh, first, we... Well, I just said First, we have UHF, uh, the 1989 film by Weird Al Yankovic, uh, Mm -hmm. demonstrating his parody songwriting skills as a parody filmmaker. And second, we had The Wizard of Speed and Time, a 1988 Mike Jitlaw picture, which no one has ever heard of. Uh, I became aware of it because it is my fiancé's favorite movie from childhood. So, bear that in mind. She knows... I want to come back to that, so I want to, like... I want to know her impressions, like what she's told you about this, but we can talk about it, I think, later when we get to yes. Wizard of Speed and Time proper. Mm-hmm. But for this, we're starting with UHF. Very good. And uh, I kind of wish we'd ended with UHF. That would have probably left a better taste in our mouth, yeah. unlike that Twinkie Wiener sandwich. You know, Which is from UHF, to be fair. If I'd broken out the Wizard of Speed and Time food, we would have made a frozen pizza so, and then put sushi on it. Let's talk about the. Let's talk about UHF first, then. Yes, uh, yes, cool? I think okay. so. I think that's fine. Yeah. So this is here's here's my basis because I, I I actually have the fortune this time around. I think I feel fortunate that. Um, Weird Al was like a humongous. I, I mean, a lot of people who love Weird Al, are like I love Weird Al. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a kid, parody, uh, the parody songs were like a huge part of growing up because we would listen to a lot of Doctor Demento. Like, and this is we're talking yeah. about like when first, second, third grade when like you're get. We weren't like Raffy household. We were like listening to like shaving cream, be nice and clean, like all the silly th- songs on Demento. Right. And Weird Al. Well, fit- that stuff sticks. I mean, I was looking at a. Um, a menu for a Thai place yesterday with Emily when we were figuring out where we were going to go to dinner, and the t- the menu referenced the song Fish Heads. Oh, hilarious! They had a thing on fish balls. Yeah, the same 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 thing. And the funny thing was like we would start buying the tapes, Dare to Be Stupid, just Weird Al self titled, um, even worse, all all of the oeuvre, you know, like we'd look for it. Like that's how we would camp out for those tapes. And I would look forward to as a kid 
getting like the, the times that Al would take over MTV and they called mm -hmm. it Al TV. Mm -hmm. And so he would play videos. He'd play fish heads. He'd play like the goofy counterculture stuff, his own stuff. And then he would do like MST3K kind of like, like voiceover work to like Chicago's song, Stay the Night or Madonna's Open Your Heart. And I, the only thing I remember was like his voice was in the background and the little guy, little kid was dancing with Madonna. The old man runs out and he goes, Madonna, 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 make me a bologna sandwich. And like just silly shit like that. Um, and then he comes out with UHF and I rented and watched that fucker over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved the weird humor about it. But coming back to now as an adult, and I haven't probably seen the movie in about 15, 16, mm. maybe uh, just a, t a 20 But you years. watched it recently too. Again. I've watched it like probably about three or four times now. I put some homework into it mm. because uh, one of our previous guests, Paul Von Stetzel, yes. uh, directed A Drinking Game, mm -hmm. which is uh, the stage the <laughs> stage show here in, uh, in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And uh, he reached out to me on p Facebook and he asked if I wanted to be in it. And I was like, oh, fuck, who am I going to be? And he's like, Stanley. I'm like Stanley Spadowski, mm -hmm. and that's I, a good role. And I was just yeah. like, "Are you kidding me?" And I have no idea what how it worked, but you know, I'm, I'm like watching it. I'm like Michael Richards is not one of my like I can do a great Michael Richards impression, but rewatching it just brought back all the like I had I had my wife with me, and I was like, "It's silly. It's a harmless movie. You've, she's never seen it." And I'm like, "Tell me what you think." And she's like shrugging. She's like, "It's fine," but I mean, dumb stuff like I'm thinking of something blue. Something blue. And I mean, watermelon tastes like poop. And this, I would laugh at shit like that over and over. My friends and I in like eighth, ninth grade would like say those little things back and forth. Like we quote movies now. Because it's um, just dumb little humor. It's dumb little humor. But it's ow. But go ahead, yes. Could sure, I back sure. up quick for a second? Because you're talking about touchstone stuff like uh, parody listening music that mm -hmm. you used to listen yeah, to yeah, yeah. and like that's your that's your basis do you know I, I feel embarrassed but do you want to know what mine is what it's all of the adam sadler albums oh that my he released. god yeah yeah, yeah. sure that sure. were all like you know my piece of shit car uh the, the hanukkah, the hanukkah songs, song of course. all of those things mom, mom, mom. yep exactly yeah. that was like my touchstone you know before adam sandler totally sucked right right before, <laughs> before every movie he made decided yeah. to be a vacation for he and his Back buddies when he was sort of charmingly awkward and Instead of really annoyingly overconfident. Well, and I mean, the, the funny thing about that is that everything, you know, everything is an evolution when it comes to like comedy and making jokes and humor and stuff like that and like Weird Al. So like for me, like, you know, listening to those tapes, I actually, and sorry, yeah, I would listen to like Bill Cosby, like concert albums, you know, like I comedy stuff. I paired UHF with something from Bill Cosby just... And making the pairing stuff that was a lot funnier oh, ten years ago. I'm so glad you didn't. Yeah, yeah right? not doing that. Yeah, because fuck that guy. Um, oh, but I, Richards too had his own implosion. interesting. It's interesting little... side note: I had a dream about Bill Cosby last night. Uh -oh. Uh oh, I was walking on a dock across a lake, and he was in a fishing boat next to me, and he was just fishing, going about his business. No repercussions whatsoever for. All right, forget behavior. double bill. We're gonna unpack this. <laughs> and would, what does this mean about your psychology? That would still, over that would still be a better movie change. than The Wizard of Speed and Time. But anyway, so all right, so, so like UHF um, is is basically it has a plot, and I think you see. I and here's the thing. I want to get into also some of the subversive stuff that rewatching it I discovered now as a as a big kid. But you can see the DNA of that. You can see the DNA of Kramer with Michael Richards, like mm -hmm. little herky jerky mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. You, well, he's the king of the reaction. I mean, he, he's fine when he's doing stuff, but yeah. when he's reacting to other stuff, he steals the scene every right. single time. Yeah. But even the things I laughed at were like, 
Did you know Kevin McCarthy, the guy who was in Invasion oh, of the Body Snatchers? Yeah, the original. He had Fletcher, R.J. Fletcher. Yeah, yeah, he had R.J. Fletcher. He had a window, and the thing is that Paul, Paul and I, when we did Drinking Game, yeah. we geeked out about this shit. We were just like, mm-hmm. I was like, that guy was in the Body Snatchers during that time. He was in Twilight Zone the movie, um, in that little one about the kid who can control. Yeah, reality. I mean, he's an incredible character uh, actor. Inner Space. Yeah. He was the evil asshole in Inner Space. Mm-hmm. You know, and so here he is, like. All teeth acting, and do you know why I called you Te- in? Teeth acting is a good way to describe it yeah. because I kept thinking of his teeth yeah. every time he talks. Yeah. Like, do you know why I called you in here? And then he's like, "You're lonely." And I was like, "Yeah, no." Um, but you know, you had but everything about that movie. You can see a lot of the DNA and things like even Christopher Guest movies. You know, mm-hmm. like where they do subversive like side side jokes. Um, there's a moment in UHF where they're looking at the programming for Channel 62, and like they've got the big whiteboard with all the shows on it. I would so watch my life with big. Yeah, shows. I wish I had screen caps some of that, but I got like a couple of them. Like the Wonderful World of Flem was on like the two or three hour block. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some Druids on Parade, Bestiality Today. That reminds me of, but reminds me of like um, Cabin in the Woods. You know, like you'd have to mm-hmm. pause Cabin mm-hmm. in the Woods to see what their pool was. And sure. similarly, no, you don't have to. There's a website, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, there is a website. Exactly. That has a exactly. But yeah, I. Uh, but the movie. Uh, for the people who are at home, and I'm sorry, I'm taking, I'm, I'm running with this, but mm-hmm. it's it's really like a deeply. It brought. I'll back. just wait for you to be wound down. And I'll tell my version. Oh, so. sorry. No, yeah, it's it's uh. <laughs> so about UHF, uh, it's about a guy who's kind of a loser. He's a daydreamer. Um, people always when they and I've noticed this from the drinking game when people talk to each other in this movie, they always say their name first. So Brian, what do you think about this, Josh? You know, <laughs> but he's a daydreamer. He loses his job all the time. He's dating Victoria Jackson. Um, and he, after he loses his other job, he runs into his uh, wealthy rel- relatives who, one of them, during a poker game, won uh, a UHF station that's failing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they were just going to like sell it off, but they ended up giving it to him to run and be the station program director with his best friend. Yeah, and, to give uh, him a project as much as anything. Right. Just something to do. Something to do. And you start to meet this quirky cast of characters as it goes on, and uh, they're... Their enemy, the UHF station's enemy, is like the me- network television. Channel 8. Channel 8, you know. Network affiliate. And the network affiliates are run by, like, these Patrick... I mean, his son reminded me of Patrick Bateman. I mean, they're all... But dad! Yeah, and they're all, yes, man. And it's like, there's oh, totally yeah. nepotism. And all the nepotism and all, yeah. And, and it just, it basically, it shows, like, the, the coming behind underdog story. And that's the whole thing. It's an underdog story. Um, and it's... But it's also I, about a story about a community coming together, too. Yeah, yeah. Uniting around their station. Which is hilarious because, again, 1989, we're talking about there was like 18 cable channels that were out there, you know, mm-hmm. and MTV was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then you had like the three or four. There was Cinemax, HBO, and Showtime. Those were like the main. And now we have right, like... Right, the rest TV. were all specialized. ESPN was only sports. Only sport, And only one ESPN. There was right. TBS, TNT, History Channel actually showed history shows, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so Learning like, Channel, was that still going? Right, right. Oh, yeah. Right. But it's, it's like, still around, the too. educational channel. WG, the sports channel. But if you want to learn about Atlantis and how it sort of not, not really exists, go to the Yeah, well, channel, I mean, yes. everybody's got stupid reality shows yeah. now. But at that point, it was very pure. It was like the, the bad guys in a movie from that time. Like, this is the guy who knows ninjutsu, and that's all he does. And yeah. his name is Ninja. This well, is the History Channel. WGN. All it shows is history stuff. WGN was a legitimate cable channel, and mm-hmm. all WGN was was the fucking Chicago affiliate of whatever, like, W, like, Kate Care, whatever, Channel 11, NBC. So it, it had that vibe of, like, we are going up against the underdogs, and now it's like the network televisions are, like, struggling to put out content that isn't just reality television shows or Dancing right. with the Stars and fighting against, like, the cable channels who are now, like, so diverse and, like, you, you have, like, 18 
and the Ocho ESPN yeah. 8, you know, and like 55 different cooking channels. Yeah, but at the um, same time, a UHF station, which was just a local broadcasting station, is basically dead because all television's gone from broadcast to some sort of cable version. Yeah, can you pick up anything via an antenna without a I, special I, kind of... Modern TVs can't pick up I don't think so. They switched over like yeah. four years yeah. ago, five Most years right? ago. Yeah, it's literally impossible unless you have an old TV. Well, and the other thing, uh, back speaking of the UHF, uh, I'm old enough to remember when UHF in the Twin Cities meant you had uh, what is now CW, WB, was Channel 23, and you had to click over a little your little UHF, VHF device on the back of your TV uh, to watch that, or Channel 29, which is Fox now, a Fox affiliate. Uh, was called KITN, and all it all it played, and they they give it lip service was Mr. Ed, Star Wars or Star Trek, um, Hogan's Heroes, like ad nauseum. They kept repeating like mm. all these terrible like well, yeah, I Dream of Genie, you know. Channel Five coming out of DC where I grew up before Fox existed. That was just well, we'll just show Predator alternating with Missing in Action Two, the beginning, and that'll be all we show on Saturdays. Yeah. So, um, the movie, I don't know, Brian, it was your choice, sorry, I kind of yeah. just took it around, but <laughs> I really think that uh, it was great. I really enjoyed coming yeah. back and revisiting it. Well, why I chose this pairing, and maybe it's early to mention this, but it the two movies, and we'll definitely get to the compare and contrast, have the same basic structure, which is a creative individual going up against some sort of monolithic culture thing, and both movies ended up having this weird, weird relationship with reality. That UHF went, it went out of print. It was released on VHS shortly after its release, uh, and then it was just out of print for a good decade. And everybody was hunting for it because it's Weird Al. I mean, once you found out Weird Al had a movie, you had to track down a version. My brother eventually found one at a flea market in New Hampshire a couple of years after he started looking for it. So that's how I saw the film. Um, it was eventually released on DVD because Weird Al has money and power, so he was eventually able to shake that whatever problems were going on behind the scene loose with a crowbar. Um, so it gained, for me at least, a sort of mythology behind UHF as well, because it was this movie that was brilliant and a comedic genius thing that was gone and unavailable, and you had to hunt it down. And this was before the internet was advanced enough to have video, so you couldn't just track down a pirated YouTube version. Uh, you had to literally hunt it down. You could maybe find it on eBay, somebody taping off a tape. But right. that was it. It was like the Star Wars Holiday Special. It was just, you had to dig in order to find it. And unlike the Star Wars Holiday Special, you were happy when you did. But Josh? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I saw UHF until a few years ago. Okay. And so, but I don't, I don't think I watched it with any, I think I just watched it randomly. So I wasn't like in, kind of jo- enjoying it with any kind of crowd or anything. What I liked about this was it sort of feels like a precursor to me to any kind of Anybody throwing anything they want on any kind of media channel like YouTube or Mm -hmm. Vine or Periscope and just seeing what sticks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very much what Weird Al did with all the segments that he does, like the Spatula City like commercial. It's just like the randomest thing I've ever seen. And I'm glad that he put it up there, and I think it's fairly like fun to watch. And like other similar things, like the plots are us, like com- like the commercials was the whole kind mm-hmm. of like you know let's throw things right. against the Conan screen. the librarian. Yeah, I mean me it's like too. like a dumb little joke, but let's like spool out the comedy segment, and right. then like all the random shows too that they had. That's what I really enjoyed about it more so than like the weird kind of like um, what is it this 
uh, he's learning to find himself. Like I don't, I don't care like about <laughs> that. Uh, or his like relationship with Victoria Jackson. I mean, it's just it's there for filler. Or when he would, uh, <clears throat> yeah, or when he would have his little his little daydream uh, things. Like it starts off with the Raiders of the Lost Ark one. You mm-hmm. know where they where they parody the opening of uh, Raiders. Uh, he's got one later where he's parodying Rambo 2 when he does like the rescue of yeah and that was a good upper body suit I was like that, oh that was really good that's, yeah. that's exactly what Rachel, like, Rachel's like, like she goes wow that's pretty good musculature for that it was almost grosser than actual sliced alone right right um, but you know like his little his little daydream like fall offs were were okay but Victoria Jackson uh, just so everybody <laughs> we were talking about her she is now she makes Ann Coulter look liberal uh she is a oh, impossible, I would say. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, no, she's right now. She's like the de facto. Uh, Paul Paul Ste- Paul will say he goes read her Twitter feed. She is insane now, and yeah. Vanity Fair interviewed her, and she's very open about talking about her Saturday Night Live days. But now she's like she's like Obama is a space alien Muslim terrorist. And, and like she says it with the kind of gravitas, like you you could not sway her opinion. I'm gonna look up her Twitter feed. Yeah, and I will read. A, I will find a tweet to. Uh, she, uh, but she's a uh, she's actually now kind of like gone off the deep end in terms of she's not castable. She doesn't do any of the comedy anymore. She's kind of fell prey to that. Yeah. Uh, the the curse of uh, the the female on Saturday Night Live, which you know you lose people like Jan Hooks. Uh, people who are genius, you know, and it, if they pop up every so often, it's really great. Like Nora Dunn comes up in The Strangest Things. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, Tina Fey and, and Amy Poehler, who have become wildly successful. Yeah. Too wildly successful. They're maintaining. They're transitioning very well. Very well. Very talented. Young comedy talent and whatever you have to build as a woman in Hollywood. Yep, after yep. After you pass the age of 32. I don't even know. And the Ghostbusters reboot, we've got uh, was it, uh, Lana, Lana Atkins, and Kate McKinnon. They're going to be uh, two of the cast members of that mm-hmm. movie. So, uh, in spite of the, sh- I'm sorry, my my opinion is the shitty and stupid and ridiculously misplaced ire that's being drawn at it. I think it's going to be worth a look. But yeah, Vic- it's not necessary. But Ghostbusters Two wasn't necessary, right? Uh, but anyway, Victoria Jackson plays the uh, the love interest, the girlfriend love interest, and she's toned down quite a bit. She doesn't mm-hmm. have a she's she's her, she, except for that one scene presentable. on her birthday when she was. Dressed as a pink party cake. Man, those shoulders. 1989, yeah. man. Her ginormous shoulders. Um, but uh, I'm not finding any good standout things from her Twitter feed. Yeah. That unfortunately. Oh, this will be funny. Oh, she's just talking about restaurants she's going to. Yeah, she's excited about the new movie she has coming out. So There's she, a new movie? Oh. Yeah, some sort of uh, Christian film, I believe. Good, good yeah. for her. Good That's for her. so wonderful. Is that God's Not Dead 6? <sighs> I hope she, uh, she might have appeared on Politically Incorrect with uh, Bill Maher. Bill Maher. Oh, that yeah. must have been a beautiful That must have been fun. Uh, but uh, no, it's uh, Listen to Donald Trump and me and Ray Stevens. Hmm. No thanks. Yeah. Oh, wow. No thanks. No thanks. That's things I do not want to do in my free time. Yep. If Bill, if this show gets canceled, Bill Maher's next show needs to be called Throwing Rocks with Bill Maher. <laughs> Who's he throwing rocks and, at? Everybody? No, literally, there needs to be just a pile of rocks and then guests around it. Um, I would watch that one. I mean, so, here's a pretty obvious Obama is a communist. Commie tunes. Obama is a com. That's great. Stuff like that. Oh, God. Um, we've got a cutesy shortening for communist now. Commie wasn't enough. Now they're comms. That's like the ridiculous. Commie was fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so we got... Man yells at Cloud. Yeah. So we got... Um, 
Some of these are old. She doesn't update very often. Probably because her publicist said not. Get your game together. Oh, I don't know if she can even afford a publicist now. She lives like in a trailer in Florida. Her publicist is a uh, cantaloupe with a hat on it. Right. A uh, party hat. Um, so Woo. the uh, the the other thing I want to draw focus to is also the uh, the characters that are around. You've got a uh, very young Fran Drescher. Yeah. Who was the, I like uh, Fran Drescher and a she lot. Was, yeah. She was great in this movie. She was the uh, the admin receptionist. Who wants to also do like live news? Finkelstein. Uh, Finkelstein, and then you've got uh, Billy Barty as Noodles McIntosh. Yes, Billy Barty, the uh, cameraman. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, uh, the aforementioned Michael Richards. Unfortunate, again, another unfortunate fall from grace. Yeah. As Stanley Stadowski. So funny thing about Michael Richards when I was reading the I, uh, the Amazon description of the actors, his whole racist slur. Like, there's a whole paragraph like devoted to like, his fall from grace and, and stuff right. like that. It's really interesting Tell that me. they put that there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you also have uh, you have some side characters which are unfortunately a, a product of their time. Cooney, the guy that leads the karate school. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like that very much. Um, yeah, who does wheel of that. wheel Ken of Watanabe. fish? Yeah, but then you know Done some other the stuff. donger. Yeah, he was Ken just, Watanabe was yeah was in this. And that's not Ken Watanabe. <laughs> I was like Getty Watanabe. Getty Watanabe. I was like what? <laughs> but he uh, but wow he wow, played. Right. The, it's a common lesson. <laughs> He played uh, he played the donger in Sixteen Candles, yeah. which you know again an, another unfortunate. Yeah, that one's a lot more unfortunate than UHFs. So way 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 more. But then you know UH- wheel of wheel of fish. Mm-hmm. You know, UH- at license. least UHFs unfortunate Asian racism. Some of it is not the obvious. Some of it is. I guess they made it up for this movie. Yeah, calls st- people stupid. All right, Can you stupid. Um, but then we uh, yeah, but. I, it's hard to like the movie. It doesn't zigzag. It's got a pretty straight through line. You know, they they got to come up with a well. Money it to, tangents a it, it tangents, tangents a lot with yeah. this asides. Like here's a commercial for Gandhi too for no reason whatsoever. So, but when you come back from that, yeah. But really, the, the I mean, there's a lot of manatee jokes if you wanna if you wanna call them that, right? Essentially, if you say so. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, what I, you know what I mean, right? When nope. I say a manatee joke. Uh, the, I do not know the Family Guy style of just like cutaway gags. Oh yeah, yeah. cutaway. See, I understand. Yeah, well, that, I don't. That's part of it. Like when he comes up after he's sleeping and he does the whole uh, the Beverly Hillbillies Dire Straits. I want you know money for nothing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he comes up. He's like, I finished polishing all of your knobs. <laughs> and you're like, oh. And then later when they're he doing say doorknobs. Uh, <laughs> but then later when he's in the telephon, he answers the phone and he says, he's like, he goes. Okay, yeah, you, you want me to wash your dog? You want me to wash two dogs? Which is another uh, Urban Dictionary, washing the dog for giving head. So that's a really funny throwaway <laughs> one that's like super quiet. Um, so what you're saying is Michael Richards was toe on the line for many years. There were there were some dirty jokes. Russian here, there, everywhere. Yep. There were like some in the there background. were yeah. some pretty dirty jokes in there. But we also have like the what was the the, the lineup with like bowling for burgers mm-hmm. and strip solitaire with Billy Barty again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ameri- the, the, the practical the, jokes. <laughs> the Raul's, Raul's Wild Kingdom. Raul's Wild Kingdom. Where he was just throwing poodles oh, out yeah. the window. Oh, man. Yeah. And yeah, most people don't know well, that. Again, we have another character. Raul's yeah, a little bit. Uh, uh, like, uh, just sorry. He's like, most people don't know this, but turtles are nature suction cup. See, I still don't. I mean, he had uh, an accent that's borderline, but what he was doing was not offensive Mexican stereotype. It was no. something complete. It was a weird ass character with a Mexican accent. It yeah. was, so it's 
questionable, but it's not bad. Well, and I think he was only that way to get the badger joke yeah. later right. on. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, that's the closest thing. In, when, you're, when you're closest thing you do to an offensive Mexican stereotype is a callback to a line from the treasure of the Sierra Madre, <laughs> you're probably pretty safe territory right yep. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else do you want to say about UHF? Uh, you know, it, it, before we get into talking about it later when we're comparing them. No. I, I can't honestly think about too much, and I kind of want to leave it as it is right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 move on to that other piece of shit. So that let's you... let's take a little bit of a break, take a deep breath, maybe um, go throw up. I'll make uh, another wiener, and then we'll come back and talk about the Wizard of Speed and Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Wizard from Escape from Tomorrow, from Happiness. No, no, we'd speak not of that. Oh my God, we'll fight you. I'm sorry, Josh is turning green over here. We have to take a break. And I'm taking control of this one because I know I'm going to lose it very, very fast. Well, I don't think either uh, of us have any kind of like foundational basis for Wizard of Time, <laughs> Speed and Time. All right, look. So I was. I'm, no, 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 I'm taking control of this. One, I've so been I'm really tired. Fast. Let me really say the tired. name of the movie before I lose this. Uh, this one is called The Wizard of Speed and Time. Mike Mike Jitlov picture from 1988, as mentioned, uh, based on a short from 78. I want to say I didn't write that one down. Uh, that one, this one was also released on VHS, but has been in. Uh, release problems ever since. It has never come out on DVD. I believe it is available full-length on YouTube, though. Uh, the creator's been trying to get it out on DVD and not succeeding for a long time. I, now, I, 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 I stopped wonder. taking notes on this because I got so depressed. And I was like, there, there's... It's completely futile for me to take notes on this because nobody cares. I, I'm Take sorry. it away, guys. All right, so... <laughs> the fact that I've been doing a lot of manual labor today, notwithstanding, and that the, the world situation today in the United States kind of took a turn, so my mood is naturally a little foul. Yeah, actually... Yeah, I almost want to be like, in a month when this is up, please remember the Orlando shooting that just happened today as we record this. Yes. Because... God, what a, a terrible a way fucking, to start a day. Yeah, as a, at a our, yeah, hashtag Orlando. Fuck. Ugh. Anyway, uh, my mood notwithstanding, I, I found myself going to a quiet, white, simple place in my mind while watching this, meaning I just, I couldn't track it. Like, mm-hmm. as soon as it started jumping the rails, and let's just be fair, it did it from the very first frame. It, no, it did it as soon as the fucking menu came up. This movie... All right, I'm just, I'm gonna I'm gonna shake this free. It's nothing but love, nothing but love. Chewbacca mom, Chewbacca mom. All right, here we go. So, he I give him full marks for for pursuing a labor of love. He's he was clearly yeah, it's a piece of shit. It's a piece of shit, low budget piece of shit. But Mike Jitlove clearly wanted to make this movie and with a purpose of like you said, like a guy mm-hmm. fighting this this studio system, and the heavy handed jokes aside. The fact that he looks like fucking Ted Nugent after 18 ecstasy tabs aside, I give him I give him like credit for that, and then that's where my high fives end, and I'm gonna go lay into him because this movie was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So the movie, The Wizard of Speed and Time, if you can't have figured out that this was not a fever dream of an eight year old in 1987, uh, was a special effects guy wanting to sell a special effects movie to a studio. And have it produced, and then all of the trials and tribulations that come in his way, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, he wants it, to he wants it, to take uh, the reins. The plot is Mike Jitlov is playing a thinly fictionalized version of himself. He was a special effects artist. Uh, I didn't write down what he did, but he worked on several pictures that I'd heard of. He's done some Disney work. 
uh, at least he had before this. I don't know how much he did afterwards, but I want to say a little. Uh, he, it's a, it is a movie about a creative artist um, trying to produce a film uh, despite studio opposition. He's got some studio support as well, which is how he gets anywhere. Uh, it's largely stop-motion animation special effects, but not entirely that. Uh, and, yeah, through the course of it, it's the same sort of moral triumph of it doesn't really succeed, but it gets enough fans, it gets enough people who've seen it and enjoy it and enjoy his work, enjoy his style of working, which is with passion instead of with money in mind, yada, yada, yada. Everyone's seen that story a dozen times. Uh, so he wins a moral victory at the end of maintaining his artistic credibility. And then he spends, you know, 30 years not getting it released. And then I think about the one studio head... Who was, get this, Jewish? How did we know? How did we know he was Jewish? Because he pronounces everything like this and, uh, where's the women? It was like Bobby Hill on King of the Hill doing his little old Jewish man impersonation. Yes. And, um, and it was terrible. Uh, there were a pair of fake, what were the fake cops doing there? The actors that they hired? They were Canadian. The other one was supposed to be American, but he definitely had like a, uh, kind of, a Mexican and type accent, like he was doing a what? Cheech, a Cheech Marin, right? Cheech Marine impersonation. The other guy was doing his Bob and Doug McKenzie impersonation. Yep. That they would mm -hmm. occasionally fall out of because they're not actors and they were wearing police Bobby costumes because that's what they could afford. Well, they checked it out of the movie lot in in the world. They basically <sighs> bought Keystone, borrowed Keystone cops outfits from the studio with white gloves, and then they ended up boosting an actual cop car that was driven by the man with three first names, Philip Michael Thomas who you may better know as Tubbs from Miami Vice. Um, all the while, this nut, God, he who cast his mom and his dad. I mean, it, I'll put it to you this way. This movie, I'm guessing, having never seen The Room, is probably a better movie than The Room. Am I right? Oh, certainly. Yes. Oh, certainly. Yeah, so, by far. there. And it's a better movie than Escape from Tomorrow. Because as our as our as our double bill barometer of shit. So what what's our best movie that we've seen? Like what's our scale? We start from Escape from Tomorrow, right? I don't know. What's, Guard, what's, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, was pretty high. I think that's up either. Well, that was like our classiest. Movie. That's a film. Yeah. That's definitely one of the classier. That's our ones. Most magnificent. That was our most Criterion Collection movie. Those are those are two that are going to be that are preserved for you know their historical. The archives right. have them. So that's on, on, on my scale though, like Jodorowsky is doing is like somewhere off the scale in a weird place, kind of like by itself doing, mm -hmm. well, doing then, its own thing. Well, those two documentaries, I think, were a very good pairing. The, do, the two documentaries were cool. Yeah. You're my spiritual warriors. I still haven't got my money from that Kickstarter. So you know. So the you know the ghost effects in Ghost, yeah, Dark Ghosts, yes. Mike did love those. There we go, Ghost. That's what. Oh, I, I looked him up for visual effects. That was the last thing he is credited for mm -hmm. in visual effects. A 1990 mm -hmm. film. Good for him. Well, he was running around like the whole like run around. You've got to pitch that you know. You, I got to join the directors' union. No, you have to join the special effect artist unit. No, you've got to join the animation unit. It's like it, it, his struggles. You can tell he was probably processing a lot of his natural struggles in this film but mm -hmm. oh he can't get a permit to shoot so we're going to wrap this with a you know an, oh we need to camouflage the car so let's put a green tarp over it 
the, on the voice oh the shitty voiceover oh so i'm really trying to gauge my impression with this because i really don't know where to fall in terms of whether i like want to screed against it like you are sorry that's, uh but that's... like i mean i understand where you're coming from in terms of like the whole thing of the spiel because i don't like the like mm, i can't make art i'm an artist and a genius it's right. just like i mean you you work in the arts you've heard that narrative Give me hundreds of times right. and you're mm-hmm. sick of it by this point i'm so tired of that people gain the role when I don't get the role. At the yeah. same at the same time, I, I do like portions of it where it's like, I mean, stop motion animation is really interesting. I think it, I like watching animation in general. Uh, Adventure Time just did a segment where it was all stop motion animation, which was really cool because it's le- really laborious and time consuming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this, all I can imagine is him sitting somewhere taking a long ass time to do all of this work and i'm sorry 10 years yeah. 10 years i'm sorry you spent all your time doing this i mean kudos to you for doing that but like whew, god it did well, not, he, i don't know if it, if you wanted this to be a calling card i don't really feel like it's a calling card in any kind of way that if that segment at the end of it the speeding portion of it was just that i'd be fine with that because it's like that what is it what did it last like five minutes Five, five, eight, five, eight minutes. Like so there's this point at the end of the film where he's like, uh, it's all f- like he's done stop motion, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, he's speeding along. It's like imagine the Flash running around. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of basically what it is. Uh, and that's really fun to watch. And actually, the segment too, like the other centerpiece of the film, the film magic with the cans and everything. Yes, that's yes. actually pretty good to watch too. So those two instances are fine. I like those just fine. I like how you. I like how you found those. Good for you. Good for you. I. I... Those are fine. But, like, I mean, there's so much happening, like, all the time. And, like, I mean, do you, do you watch Portlandia at all? Uh, no, I know the show. So, Portlandia, every now and then, they just do weird, like, cartoony sounds. Like, uh, like things crashing in the background. Like, weird things that you'd hear on, like, the uh, Acme... Like, what would you say? Looney Tunes, like, sure, shows. Sure. And it's just, like, they're out of nowhere. They have really no place there. That's, like... But they do it every now... They use it very sparingly. This is just... They throw everything at the screen. Right, right. And it, you're, it's assaulting you all the time. And then you just get sick of it after, like, that's two a, minutes. That's a good observation. I, I appreciate you actually articulating that. Because, for me, I... It got to be so much. It, and maybe it's just the ADHD or something. But, it like, literally, I, I found myself becoming desensitized well to you it. habituate to it and then you get bored with it yeah yeah and it just and everything gets lost like there's absolutely mm-hmm. no meaning and he he says at the end when he's like burning his shit you know when he's talking about his voiceover mm-hmm. you know where he's talking about i don't have, i didn't want to do it for the money and it's like oh okay so here we go here's your fucking moral right even there. though he needs money yeah like, where's my ten thousand dollars where's my check where's my money you piece of shit yeah you do it for the money you do it and you show off how good your work is but um, yeah, that's I didn't I didn't walk off with. I mean, okay, let's. I want to double back for a second, B Dubs. So did I cause you to change your mind? That's kind of interesting. No, 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 B Dubs. I want to find out. So this is. Uh, oh yes, let's return to you and your girlfriend, your right. fiance. <laughs> yes, fiance. this was. Oh yes, excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. The woman you are about to marry. About yeah. to being over here from now. So. Yeah, her favorite. It was her favorite movie from. It her was childhood. her favorite movie from childhood, which everybody's got that that taste to it. That thing that you that hooked into you when you were very young helped define your view on the artistic world. Right. For better or for worse, everybody's got a shit movie they loved when they were a kid. I don't think. I think she's very aware of the quality of this movie, but she's still got a lot of affection for it. Sure. Because this movie does have... I agree, it's very cheap-looking in a lot of places. Uh, It's got problems. There's definitely 
he's a far too simple character. UH, we'll get into the comparisons later, but I've got some comparisons between him and Weird Al's character. He primarily doesn't really have a journey in this film. It's just him being right and being perfect, fighting the system. Mm -hmm. but there's no emotional growth for him. There's a little bit with him finding a girlfriend, mm, but that's yeah, still... That's fair. It's still him earning the girlfriend because she's attracted to what he already is, and him just accepting that and noticing it. Right. And, yeah, it, which isn't a very strong story or a very interesting story that somebody earns something and then they say, oh, well, I'll take it then. That's not a very interesting story or realistic, but there's still an honesty to it. There's a, a passion to it that comes out, and it comes out very heavy-handed sometimes. I agree with that, but it's still very much about, I want to create this thing, and I want people to see it, which is why, even though he's had these distribution problems caused by whatever, um, presumably it not being a profitable film, but... Hmm. I find yeah. it, yeah, I find it hard to really criticize him too harshly because it is a passion film. Yeah. And, like, I want to support people who make things and getting them out there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's just like I would never watch this for anything other than this show. Right. That's, that's, that. how, that's how it is. I accept that. Yeah, and you mentioned, and I know it's, we're getting into, like, Bill and Sam aging poorly kind of territory. Because I think there are... Bill and Sam aging poorly. Now yeah. on podcasts everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Those fuckers are prolific. Holy shit. I feel like they're putting on, like, three a week. Yeah, they're, yeah. Do they're doing about a one week. It's one week. It wow. comes out on Thursdays. They have no life. Um, I thought it came out on Mondays. Uh, last one came out on a Thursday. Let's, not get, let's not give those fuckers any more ink. Anyway, <laughs> but we have... we have like, Send us a check. Who's got ink? But we have... Um, this is all you're right. We do have things like that, you know, that I watch. You know, that, and, it, and it felt very after-school special. It's like when they're like, hey, they're releasing Teen Witch on, you know, DVD and mm -hmm. Blu-ray, mm -hmm. and everybody flips their shit, and they're like, top that! And I'm going, that movie fucking sucked! You yeah. know? It's like, come on! And... It's like every, the amount of ink that's been spilled for Teen Witch is sort of amazing. I don't know if you've known. <laughs> I don't get it. I fail to understand. It's the strange thing now where we're living in an age where, I mean, okay, late 80s, early 90s, getting something made, getting it put onto a VHS tape and produced and released nationwide would take an incredible amount of resources, an incredible amount of just physical stuff, just oil to make the, the plastic that makes the tapes. That's point, yeah. Getting it out there was incredibly expensive, so nobody's going to do it unless people want it. These days, the digital file can just be put online and it can be burned to a DVD and you can charge 50 cents for the download. Or have a web series for fuck's sake. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could create... Free I could create... And then sell advertising, but I could... I mean, look at Rift Tracks. Mm -hmm. Rift Tracks just makes a thing, puts it online, you pay three bucks for it, you download it yourself. If it's a Rift Tracks of a movie that 80 people in America watch, I mean, they're probably not going to do a second one of those, but it could happen and then 80 people will pay three bucks for it. And just take it. But there's no forest of trees cut down to make the box that you put the tape in. The, if you make a movie these days, you can release it extremely widely, have it bought by a couple of hundred people. And if you're some novice who's not known by anybody and you're not, it, you didn't pay $300,000 to make the movie, you can just do that and you're fine. There's plenty of people who, who have careers doing that. People, especially with like Amazon self-publishing, who sell a couple of thousand copies of a book... Which is, you know, a couple thousand people reading your book. I would love that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You're never Chuck, gonna get a release. The Chuck Tingles of the World? Well, right. You're never going to get a release by HarperCollins with those sort of numbers, but you can do it 
in major distribution patterns now because of digital download. And you can skip the middleman. You don't have to right. have yourself a publisher or an agent. You can just go ahead and produce your own right. content. So and the people making the Wizards of Speed and Time these days can just have it on their website. And you bring up a valid point because now we're in the age where the idea of an independent film, independent filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil was even saying uh, we should watch it with like the, the making of, of Clerks. You know, mm-hmm. there's, right. there's something to be said that I'm not going to give the fat one his due by saying he was like the forerunner of the independent like I maxed out all my credit cards to make this and borrowed money from my family but it was around the early to midnight like just right before it was midnight. like early 90s for clerks wasn't it yeah 94 was when it came out 94 um saw it at the lagoon um, fight fight but, but he anyway. would have made it in 93 right yeah. but the but yeah. the idea the idea being is that they Clinton uh, years early Clinton years but the idea being is like now we have a format where these people are like, well, fuck the studio system, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do it, we'll shop around ourselves, and we'll see who picks it up. And Miramax yeah. went and grabbed it and ran with it. And, up and until if that it gets point, enough viral traction, then it ends up in a movie theater. We end up seeing a shot-by-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or they show it, or, you know, like they, they go to Sundance, and they show it in a bar, you know, mm-hmm. because that's where my friend Steve Lattery, he, he shot a film called Mulligan. And they wanted to make it like a Caddyshack meets Swingers. And he shot it in like 97 or 98. It had um, Cedric Yarbrough was in it, Alex Cole, uh, a couple of the people mm-hmm. who were like from the local improv scene, you know, from the Brave New Workshop. And it's sure. just four late 20s, early 30 buddies who are golfing all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charlie Hubble ended up being having a role in it that they actually pitched to Bill Murray because they thought that'd be a good callback. And Bill Murray like wrote them a letter saying, I'd love to, but I can't, I don't have time. And they, I was like, he Charlie goes, Hubble, the poor man's Bill Murray. Well, and they went to they went to Sundance with it. They mm-hmm. said, let's shop it, and they said they got screening, but the screening was like at a fucking TGI Fridays with because every place in yeah Weird. bars have like back rooms that like do screenings for like fifteen people. Interesting and shit like that is where they did like Clerks, and all of a sudden they're like, whole, we'll take it. In, when your entire budget of your town is based on the tourism, I suppose, the film yeah. industry, I mean, everybody's not? got a film. Just a blank white wall you can project onto. And now they're probably walking around the streets with like their like iPads and like saying, "Hey, you know, do you work for you know Touchstone or whatever? Here, look at this. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. you're with you Here's know a flash drive. Yeah, here, take a look at this. And so it's like handing them your card with a download key on, or handing them a VHS tape and hoping that they'll go back and watch it. You know, right. so right. it's it's pretty amazing. And this guy. Maybe maybe he's a product before his time because obviously mm-hmm. you know the the graphics and all of his shit are dated and you know the, it's. Oh, I think I think that's a fair observation that he's a product of his time. If he'd been ten, fifteen years later, mm-hmm. he would have a much different career. Yeah, and he I think he if he had been later, he would have jumped on it because he was one of the first. He was in the web 1.0, having a website. He he was very early on in the internet revolution, so I think he would have been kept up with the technology to have created it if he hadn't been born in 1948. Right. So, and, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, he's 11 years older than Weird Al. I looked it up. Wow. Well, and, Weird you know, Al, yeah. Jeez. And, you know, like around the time we talk about, that was around the time when he was trying to probably push this one, that the first actual CGI movies were coming out because mm-hmm. they said one of the first ones that made massive use of CGI was around the same time, and that was Young Sherlock Holmes, which was a Lucasfilm joint where they use like... CGI to show like a stained glass knight came out and started fighting. And so yeah. that's considered like one of the forerunners of CGI. Another one that came out, another Lucasfilm joint was Willow, where mm-hmm. they, you know, the, the Ebersisk, the big dragon, mm-hmm. that was that was all sieged. Yeah. And, well, um, I've been watching uh, the Jim Henson Hour recently. I got hold of a copy and it made in 89 and they have an entire CGI character and they talk about it in the intro to the show, which just shows their pride of like, we created a character in a computer and it's got that 
that level of explanation to it, which doesn't happen when it's an established thing. Mm-hmm. Like Jim Henson telling the kids in the audience, this character was created entirely in a computer. Yeah, and I'm watching... Two, it's a vacuum, right? And I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, and I'm I'm on season two, and I'm just, I'm taking, a, I'm taking it back occasionally. Just, I'm like, that's a lot of CGI and a network television show. And yeah, right. they've got a lot of studio money to go back into it, but I'm like, that... I mean, yeah, I think not about getting like up. full MCU support or anything, or they'd mention Agents of Shield in one of the movies. Right, right. But it's like it's just it's it's amazing to me because like I mean, growing up with going back as far as old you know the original series Star Trek, you know, or old Doctor Who, where like whenever the crinoid was coming at the house, it was like a really bad like overlay of like this plant monster gonna come over. No, it's and now you can see when you rewatch the series starting in two thousand and five, you're like, holy shit, they got money. It's still kind of cheesy and shitty right. looking, but. Yeah. I mean, they got BBC money, but so yeah. it's not, you know. Should we uh, compare and contrast these? Yeah, let's go right now. All sure. right. Go. Uh, UHF is better. <laughs> let's, okay. Now, good night, folks. Well, let me, let me try. I, I didn't fully flesh out the comparison notes, so let me try and do it now. Please. Because I don't think the comparison between films as quality films is a fair one. Um, what, what drew me... What drew me to this pairing was the problems they had getting it out of the studio system and getting it into wide distribution. UHF took a good decade. It's now freely available on, well, freely, widely available on DVD. You can buy it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You can get it on Amazon for probably like $6. Uh, Wizard of Speed and Time is not. It is fully available to find, but there's no legal distribution method. You gave us, we watched a rip of a Laserdisc. Yeah, and I don't even know if it was a direct rip, because it it was made by my fiancé's father, who's the one who showed it to her when she was a kid. Um, I don't know if he had the Laserdisc, or if he's get, he got that one second or third hand. Um, it was released on, apparently, Laserdisc, and definitely VHS. I found record of that. And it ends with a note that's basically a karma note of, here's Mike Jiflov's website. Feel free to make a few copies and give them to friends, but if you do, maybe throw them a couple of bucks. So it's this weird sort of crowdfunding request thing, because it's the only way he sees money from this film. And if you enjoy it, you know, maybe give him some money. You guys obviously will not. But just the fact that that's, it, it's the same sort of thing of, every, all artists want to be paid, because money's very nice, and you can buy goods and services with it. But more so you want your stuff to be appreciated by a lot of people and everything he's presented to the world seems to be that um i don't know why he's had the wide distribution problems now that stuff is really cheap to put out that whoever owns the damn rights could just put it up and charge five dollars a download and make an easy couple hundred bucks maybe he just doesn't know how or maybe well, he, he doesn't own the rights to, to his this, own movie? To his own movie, yeah. The studio owns the rights. The character who played the producer in the movie that screws with the movie in film was actually the producer and kept the rights. So it, it was a weird foreshadowing of what actually happened to him that he doesn't own the rights to distribute his own stuff. Interesting. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. So it, it's that was the, the... There were a lot of interesting parallels in the film for me, but that's what drew me. The fact that there's this guy with a unique view on the world, whether you like it or you hate it, and who had a hard time getting his stuff out to be seen by his audience because somebody else owned all the rights to do that. Some of the other, like, commonalities, just in general, that I saw is, like, I mean, both of these are almost precipitated on a bet. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if either of you noticed that. Yeah, there's that. an important wagering. Yeah, oh, yeah, wagering yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, Which is sort of interesting. Way, but it's there. It's there, and they kind of, like, spur the action forward to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, well, both of them they do. And, like, the other commonality, I mean, they all 
involve production. The first one is television. The second mm-hmm. one is movies. So it's all mm-hmm. about creation of like, what is it? Film media, some, some sort of like visual media. So I thought that was interesting that those commonalities are there. And like, you know, I saw the same manic energy in both yeah. of them, which I, which is definitely a thorough line for me. Weird food recombination. Yes. Weird food recombination. Did we mention the sushi and pizza uh, portion? And yeah. wizard of speed and time has a pizza joint that deliver their house. Special is pizza with just a whole goddamn fish and an octopus on it. They call it sushi pizza. I sincerely hope that fish is not raw because it's just a damp trout. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. A it, gutted fish on a hopefully pizza. Hopefully gutted. And you know, both films had whole fish in them. Right. I did read, though, that That's UHF. probably coincidental, but it, it's just... I'm, they were rubber fish. They were display fish. Yes. Oh, that and makes... Good. Good. I sincerely hope I so. hope that Stage wasn't like your snapper hot. on there. Oh, my God. God. Gross. A red snapper! They flopped really well for fake fish, I'll they say. They did. Because that's what always grows... If they'd been solid, I would have gone, oh, plastic. But they were also both products of their time. Mm-hmm. I think there there was not like a revisiting it and like, oh, this is ageless. Yeah. Uh, costumes notwithstanding, both of them had really stupidly... Caricaturish characters. Yeah. Um, well, the sassy African American. I'm going to walk back something that I said earlier, sure. and that was the parts of UHF, like the love story and like the kind of like narrative conflict that was happening that I didn't really care about. When you were talking earlier, I was thinking like, well, you know, like there's no actual conflict really. In, or personal wise anyway for mm-hmm. uh, the wizard of speed and time the wizard's like character he doesn't like, right. grow in any kind of like fashion whereas uh, Weird Al's character grows actually yeah that was the main and that's what that love story is there for that's what the other narrative portions are there for he's mm-hmm. learning something along the way the wizard doesn't seem to really learn yeah, anything Weird Al's character has more of an emotional journey yeah he has an emotional core to him whereas the wizard is just sort of like a guy who's doing special effects mm-hmm. and he's trying to show you the special effects and like, yeah. there's no real growth besides him railing well, against Weird the studio Al system. Weird Al is a uh, writer. Yeah, which I mean, probably yeah. helped. Yeah, that probably helped. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I liked that portion yeah. of it. Now, just talking about it and realizing. I like the UHF DVD has Weird Al now. Mm-hmm. The the mustacheless, longer hair, older, doing like the pointing like where you should click, you know, for like the play movie. Yeah. See that you know doing it's just bug eyes. Yeah, thing. doing it's like wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't get that because I watched it on Amazon. There you go. Rented it. It's dogs. It's it's one of those DVD menus that's super fun the first time, and then every su- subsequent time you're like, I just want to watch. Just stop doing the animation so the movie starts. Come on. Uh, this, one of the Simpsons DVDs, like in the first like set or something, like one of them is like they have like, you have to push a button to like make a combination, yeah. and before you even get to the menu screen. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, it's one of those annoying Rocky things. Horror oh, that's show. fun. That's fun. Like the first time, and then yeah. uh, afterwards. The thirtieth anniversary Rocky Horror DVD has a narrative voice talking about stuff and like legs kicking things, and it's always just get to the scene selection. Come on, we're doing this every month. Sidebar. Do you? I mean, do you remember when that like yes, Easter counsel. eggs? Like Easter eggs were like so. My yeah. my favorite, the original X. I had the X Men, uh, the that came out on DVD in like two thousand one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was so cool, like going online, like finding out this is how you get the Easter eggs to like see like some cutscenes, like see Hugh Jackman's like his audition and there, where they had a guy dressed as Spider-Man running like kind of photobomb a shot. Um, but I just remember like when it came up that like, whoop, 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 whoop. And like, it was all about Cerebro talking to you and it was so cool. I was like, yeah, this is what, you know, fuck VHS. That was like one of the first things they right. ever bought. It was yeah. awesome. 
Uh, but then, like, it was, it was like you said, you had to, like, find, like, Easter eggs. Like, you had to, like, kind of hold your button arrows, like, yeah. over to, like, the corner. Hitting left once won't do anything. Well, even you get but to the main four contest. times and then up, here's the phone message that Hannibal Lecter would have left. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Easter, I don't, the I don't Easter like eggs. having a burden on me just to get to my main content. Yeah, right. the, the yeah. Contra code is not That's necessary. That's where it gets a little too clever. Yeah. Just yeah. play it, goddammit. Right. Yeah, I just want to play it. Fun. And, like, Any... who buys DVDs anymore? Well, some people do. Me. Sorry. From Cheapo. I do. Blu-ray. <laughs> I, you yeah. think I want to watch I Deadpool ad nauseum? Yeah, yeah no, I, I do. Finally watched, I finally bought a the cord to play Blu-ray off my PS3 purely because of Deadpool. Deadpool is the movie that dragged me into 2007. <laughs> anyway, so the, the compare, back to the subject of the podcast. Uh, the comparisons between these, my primary route was the, the fact that they had horrible problems actually getting them published. Uh, the weird little side things were more of a, is this coincidence that gambling's involved, or is it both of them were aware that luck is a serious factor in getting art produced? Are the weird foods just because they thought of weird foods, or is their artistic view on the, like, weird artistic view on the world reflected in the fact that they recombine foods in unusual ways? Or is this all just big coincidence, like how they both have fish in them? Well, you know how these both came out around the same time, 1889. Yeah. So, uh, Wizard was first. Cracked uh, mentioned, like, do you, had an article recently that I've I've always noticed. They're like, did you notice how, like, there are movies, like studios, when they get a script? Oh, yeah. Um, will race to get their version of the movie out first. They said, look at the movie Dante's Peak and Volcano. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact came Actually, out at the same time, Ar- around the same time. Armageddon and Deep Impact, I've heard an interesting theory about that it takes four to five years from initial idea to movie release and four to five years before Deep Impact and Armageddon, a comet hit Jupiter. Hmm. So it might have been that might have been a moment where a couple of screenwriters went, what if that was here? Boom. Yep. But Scribble. They, uh, like, but yeah, they're like uh, Disney, like they're, the cartoon would be Ants and A Bug's Life. Yeah, yeah. They're like, they're just like, they're like which was when a giant ant hit Venus. <laughs> That was a terrible year. Um, so anyway, you know, it's like it's one of those things where like there's not a hell of a lot of really great original ideas. So yeah. while it's possible that Weird Al in his like in his purview he would watch something as silly and weird as this, you know, it might it might that might have happened. You yeah. know, he might have known about this guy's project and maybe that was part of the impetus that he was like, I want to do a movie like this. You know, and, well, he might have seen the '78 thing, but that's not that really didn't have a story to it. I Weird Al's whole spiel his whole career thing is based on parody songs so making a parody film felt like it feels like a very natural extension to him i'm not at all accusing him of theft at all of wizard of speed and time oh no 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 it's just a strange thing that they both made movies that are basically about an underground guy fighting the system and then the system said all right we're not going to sell this movie to anyone for a while and the communities and the button like you said the communities that came to support each of them in their in their endeavors yeah yeah because there is a little bit of that in the it's just a weird house community is a hell of a lot bigger than mike jitlov's yeah as oh, yes. is evidenced by the fact that i just had to look at my notes to remember mike jitlov's name yeah, he seems to have disappeared mainly. Like, yeah. I mean, he hasn't had any kind of footprint in yeah, the I mean, last According years. to his website, which it looks like it's been a while since it was updated, he moved to a Scandinavian country, I think Sweden. Which well, is they can appreciate his talents. Much, I guess. I mean, he's also uh, 68, so... Yeah, I mean, He might just be done with the system. He might be done. Point. Yeah, he might be done. He enjoys that really smelly, terrible shark that they like in Norway, whatever the hell it's called, the... Shark that smells like oh, death. Oh, is that where you're eating the rotting shark fin? Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Nobody enjoys We're that. back to rotting fish. Everyone just lies yeah. about it. 
We always rotting come back fish. to rotting fish on the double bill. bill story. We should eat fish sometime. We should, should write a book called rotting fish. fish. That should be a nugget. A nugget? Yeah. Compare some sushi. A fish maybe. nugget. We go to, no, we go to Coastal Seafoods. We get some ahi-grade tuna and some mm. ahi-grade salmon. And we should just do that. Turn off the podcast. Yeah. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Let's go do that. All right. Mikey. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mikey, mm-hmm. where can people find you? Uh, are we talking about upcoming projects? Or are we talking yeah. about online? Okay. Well, I'm on Twitter at Mikey Postle. Um, what do you tweet about, Mikey? What do I tweet about? Uh, I probably usually cracked articles. Um, and I was just I was just thinking actually when you launched into your cracked part of the podcast, I need like some sort of bumper like music to like Mikey's cracked part of the podcast. Da, 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 da. Mike reads cracked, huh? Um, so I no, I'll day. I usually because I could probably make a supercut of you just being like I read on cracked. Well, I I I I, I also I post uh, <laughs> no, I post a couple times. I post like Jim. Little Beaumont's about my gym, about gym fails. Jim Belushi. People who I salute at the gym. Jim Belushi Like the guy that wears like jorts on the treadmill. I think it's pretty amazing. Mm. Um, I also, I'm now uh, an official member of Instagram. I I guess I signed up for it. And I was like, I should probably start posting pictures and dicking around and getting to the new millennium here. And as I was going through it, I'm like, why? I don't know any of these people. Why does everybody can go through? And I had like, I'm following like 987 people. And I never followed anyone, and it was like all like I had to spend about two hours going through and unfollowing. Did like, they automatically sign you up to people to follow? Like wow, automatically sign you like up to like Facebook your friends? friends or just I mean, I, there was, was a, that any of them your friends, um, or were they just random accounts? There was about sixty people who I was friends with, okay. and huh. then the rest were like rando accounts. Like I'm like, why am I getting this woman showing off her underwear? And she's like, that's spam. Why like, indeed? I was like, well, you know, it's not that a problem, but unfollow. So. Uh, I'm insta- Instagramming uh, the funny shit I see. So that's where you can find me. Uh, upcoming projects that I've got going on down the pipe. I am, uh, with the time freed up now, I'm, I'm back to auditioning more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be doing the next drinking game, which is going to be Big Trouble in Little China. Nice. I will be playing the role of Jack Burton, which nice. I might or might not have waited until Paul got drunk. And I said, you should do that, and then you should cast me as Jack Burton. Because <laughs> it's all in the reflex. I've never done a drinking game. And then I might be doing something. I could uh, explode. Because apparently I've become Paul's muse. Uh, he wants me to do something for him for the uh, Twin Cities Horror Festival in October. So I'll nice. be doing that a couple months from now. Other than that, it is summer, my friends, in uh, the Twin Cities. And summer means outdoor time, going to the cabin, camp awesome, and, you know, taking care of my, my terrible garden. But other than that, uh, how about you, Brian Watson-Jones? Where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I don't have a fan page. It's just me. So if you friend me and I don't know who you are, I will ignore you. Um, I do have a website, brianwatsonjones.com, which I purchased the domain name about six years ago and have never done a goddamn thing with, but I intend to this summer. Keep me honest, I guess. Uh, Upcoming projects, I am actually not acting in anything anytime soon. I just finished a round of that, but I am writing for a couple of things. I have a friend show, um, co-writing with my tedious brief cohorts, called Mead Hall, in which two acting companies find themselves booked at the same time and space. Uh, one of them doing a one-man Beowulf, and the other one doing a stage adaptation of the movie Roadhouse. And in the process of working together, they find they're telling the same story. What space are you guys going to be in? Uh, we're in the Rarig Thrust. Nice. Which is, yeah, and we have a really good schedule. So I can't remember it right now, even though that would be the most... The French Fest website is live, isn't it? No. Not, not till July 1st, I think. Okay. But we had we had to turn in all of our stuff. June 1st or July 1st. June so. 1st is when everything was due. July 1st is when they actually had everything all is together. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm also co-writing with Duck Washington a show for Fearless Comedy Productions 
Legends this fall. I think it's oh, good. Congratulations. October. Yeah. Nice. And it is actually, I was uh, contracted to write it based on my previous Tedious Brief experience. It is a Shakespearean adaptation of the movie Weekend at Bernie's. Of course you are. Right. Which I am in the midst of writing right now and having a damn ball doing. And then, other than that, I'll probably be doing uh, the Soap Factory's Haunted Basement again in October. You know. Because I have to chase people while dressed as a clown, or else the uh, curse will land upon me, and I will age 300 years in one minute. It just occurred to me, Weekend at Bernie's would probably pair well with Swiss Army Man? Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet it would. I probably absolutely... But, you know, I mean... This is the year where I'm going to be forced to watch all the movies from the 80s I never saw because I was hired to do that. I'd never seen Roadhouse before we started doing Meatballs. What? I'd never seen Weekend at Bernie's before Duck hired me to do this thing. All right, here's a... Here's, here's a, a... This, this podcast, the subheader of this podcast for me is educating Brian in movies he should have seen a quarter of a century ago. Brian, I'm going to give you a pro tip. If you, next, I think you should re-watch Roadhouse, and when you do it, watch it with the Kevin Smith, Scott Mosier commentary because it is absolutely amazing. Dear, when we start rehearsal process, it's proper, amazing. I know we will be watching the riff tracks of it, which is apparently fantastic. I just, I just listen to those guys talk. And they're like, they keep on calling him the Swayze dog, and they're like, he's like, hey, have you ever had sex with a woman against a fireplace? He's like, no, man, I think that would hurt. Like, peel the skin off your back, kind of hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, that's brilliant. And well, you, in fairness, he's got a pretty hardened back. He goes shirtless, the predominant most of the time. Yeah, so. shirtless Tai Chi is the only way to do Tai Chi. Right. Um, so you, me, myself, dog. I'm uh, Joshua Humphrey on the Twitters. I tweet about being annoyed that we can't yet vote, in <laughs> we got we still have five more months of this garbage. Oh, it's such a pain in the ass. And I Canadian also system. Let's <laughs> limit the campaigns, please. You know, I I go back and forth about whether or not we should have a longer, short campaign system. You know, I'm uh, fine with having longer than Canada has, but 18 months is excessive. Like, uh, you know, I was studying Japan for a little while, and they have like a two-week one, which is like. What can you do in two well, weeks? Well, Japan's much smaller. Like you can visit all the major well, cities. Well, they have a third of the population that we do. Like, I yeah, mean, like, but you can you can true, go to all the cities and talk in all of them. They also America's have America's big. It's they have a lot of cities. They have some weird laws regarding like what you can yeah. actually publish and like kind of get out there about yourself. Like, yeah, I don't even it, think you could have a Twitter feed for your account. Now, where the presidential campaign is an entire term of Congress. I know it's like the last two years of con- like the la- yeah the last House term is mm-hmm. basically the campaign season. So I'm also I also tweet about uh, what else do I tweet about? I like I like. Uh, law school. I like law school a little bit. I talk about SCOTUS sometimes, the Supreme Court. That's kind of fun. Mustache uh, maintenance? Mustache maintenance. I don't do a lot of mustache no. maintenance. I do get I get plenty of questions out in the wild about my mustache maintenance, like I did like on Friday night when I was just at a friend's house and they were asking about my mustache. Uh, I get plenty of those. Still sorry you lost the notebook with all the reactions. I know. I can't. I don't know where it is. Uh, I'm... Did I find it? No, I lost it. I was I found a notebook today, but it was not the same one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it. I think I got. I had a holdover in Reykjavik uh, when I was coming um, back a couple years ago from London, and I think when because I was selected for screening, and I took out my notebooks, everything in my pockets, laid it down on the table. It's just a nondescript little black book, so it's like grabbed up everything and I think I left the book there. Oh mm. no, that's probably in some diplomat's hands by now. Yeah, there's like nothing, there wasn't too, anything too interesting in it, it's not like yeah, that. Yeah, bunch of, in the first half of the neutral. Bunch, neutral of, bunch of dick pictures. Why does this have a bunch of mustache things in it? Wait a minute, there's a flip book in the corner. We should have <laughs> held that guy for longer. <laughs> it's just a guy growing his mouth like a little stick figure with a mustache the mustache growing, growing larger and larger. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the first half is that and then the second half is him straining and pulling it back in. <laughs> It's a flip book, man. Live your dreams. <laughs> well, who is uh, who's next up? Is it my turn or is it... 
I don't know. I I, I prefer sort that of lost track we'll of keep the turn it. system. We'll we'll figure it out. I got. Well, I, 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 I think you know weekend at Bernie's Swiss Army Man. That that will be actually a good pairing. All right, yeah. yeah, we'll go with yours. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Yeah. You, we'll, you heard it here first. You see, we've gotten to that point. Like two old friends are by each other lunch. We've lost track of whose turn it is. See, I've so got, we're just gonna get someone whoever's got their wallet closest to their hand. The blood sport above the law is the reason why I want to do that. Is got Ben Lane and I uh, were talking after I was doing Table Twelve with Freshwater. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Kathy Kopecky has never seen it. She goes, "I've never seen that." And we're like, "How the fuck do you go through your life not seeing that damn, damn movie?" So we're gonna see have her watch Bloodsport, and I think Above the Law would be a fun pairing yeah. because you get to watch Steven Seagal, who has a has a chase scene where he's chasing a bad guy and you get to watch a man run who looks like he's never figured out the concept of running. He runs like a penguin who had a stroke. Oh. You know what would be this fun? is his debut, right? This yep. isn't like five years ago in Machete or something. No, no, yeah. no. Machete. Where he runs like a bowling pin that grew legs. Yep. We should actually theme around genres. We should pick some genres that we think would be yeah, good yeah. and then pick movies that we Good movies. Be. Yeah, good then, movies. Then we can hash them. We can hashtag them. So, movies we don't think belong in the Do you feel list. strongly about doing Weekend at Bernie's? Like, yeah, of course, of course. Let's do that. Let's, yeah. let's give that a shot because then we can pair an old movie with a new movie. By the time we do that, I should be able to tell you the name of this movie. You know, I'm not sh- You know, actually, that's a good point. I don't know when Swiss Army Man comes out. <laughs> all I know is that Paul, Dan- Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe are in it, and they, it's all about this guy whose farts save another man's life. So, okay. so power farts. Oh, then we need to pair with Weekend at Bernie's too, where voodoo brings him back to life but only when music is playing remember because when everything in the early 90s was racially comfortable <laughs> clearly remember when voodoo was always the answer to like right? making something happen that was a weird patch <laughs> well, it, was, I'm gonna... well, it was like um, magic blood is now where there were enough screenwriters who got a lot of work were like that sounds cool that it just ended up in everything the guys the serpent and rainbow scared the shit so I was listening to a review of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 mm-hmm. out of the shadows and you no, know, I was it, hoping you were going to go with Secret Views. No, I wasn't. Really hope. David Warner. For you know life. how in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, it's like a, a person touches the animal and they kind of mutate in the animal if they get like like a ooze on them or whatever, right? right? Yeah. Like the rationality in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, instead of that, which is like you know obviously it's fictional, but it's like it has some sort of like logic right. in that you get ooze on you, and everybody has a little bit of some sort of animal inside them. That makes oh, them so turn into that. So it's his patronus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, the literally, like, we were watching it last night, and I was like, that is the dumbest you thing. You actually I, went and saw it? No, no, no. I was watching a review of it. Oh, God. Like, I don't watch any, like, you know, primary material anymore. I just watch people comment on it on YouTube. It's time for primary material. There's yeah, so it's many all secondary. CinemaSins puts out stuff every couple of days. I don't have time to watch a movie. Yeah, exactly. I just want to know how bad it is. Spoiler alert, God. Are we done? I watched Deadpool 80 times. Uh, yeah. Can I do a long-distance dedication quick? Yes, please oh, do. Yes. All right, so uh, two big ones. Uh, I'd like to dedicate today's podcast, if you've lasted this long, uh, to my mother, Patricia Postel. Uh, she passed away on May the 4th. Sorry, Mikey. And uh, she never listened to podcasts. She has no idea what the podcasts were, but I hope that wherever she is, she's listening to it, and somebody can give her a good explanation to our silly little humor and her inside jokes. So this mm-hmm. one was for my mom. Uh, and I guess as a secondary point, as of last night, this is also for the people in Orlando. We are thinking about you, and yeah. we're hoping the blood drives whose lines are going out the door uh, that you got the support of us here in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. Yes, mm-hmm. I second that. Both of those things. Awesome. We out. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill.